Good morning, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of MBAs Unplugged. I'm your host, Fedge McDermott, and let's get into today, September 15th. Okay, so we got nothing really from the program office, so we're just going to dive into recap on some of the events coming up this week before we get into our speaker for the day. Uh, so first, on Tuesday today at 12.30, we have the Lusk Speaker Series, which is being put on by the Graduate Real Estate Association followed by a networking etiquette session with the High Tech Association, which will be happening at 2.30. Uh, after that, we'll be doing a Travel and Hospitality Club Industry Verticals plus Recruiting 101. That'll be happening at 4 p.m. today, and I'll actually be hosting that one since I am a member of that club. And then finally, a large event that we're going to have is the Reverse Career Fair today, which is happening from 6 to 7.30. And that one is obviously being put on by the Graduate Career Services. Uh, then tomorrow we have uh, C4C Primetime Volunteer Prep, so that is a C4C based event uh, that will be happening on Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, followed by the Marshall Finance Association is putting on a Corporate Finance Second Years panel on Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. And then finally on Wednesday we have the club kickoff for the Marshall Adam Smith Society uh, with yoga. So I believe uh, there's been some talk about this with uh, Nicholas out in Bulgaria hosting a, uh, a yoga session. So uh, curious to see what, what that even means and what that entails. Uh, going on to Thursday, though, we have a tech recruiting and interviewing session with the High Tech Association once again from 2.30 to 4. Then we have a Rosh Hashanah celebration going on, uh, being put on by the Jewish Association of Marshall Students. So that will be happening on Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. And then on Friday, we have a How to Network in the Gaming Industry being put on by the Marshall Interactive Gaming Association from Friday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. A career and entertainment presentation being put on by BEA from 12.30 to 1.30. Uh, Marshall Pride is doing a Ramba conference prep session from 4 to 5 p.m. as well as a Marshall Pride September Kiki uh, which will be happening from 7 to 8 p.m. on Friday. And then also, uh, if you're in the NBA Partners Club, they'll be doing an NBA Partners game night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. on Friday. And so that pretty much wraps it up for the events we have for the upcoming week. Again, if you want more elongated uh, hype for your individual events, make sure to contact me ahead of the recording uh, so that I can get these out and give you guys a bit more... Uh, information on what these events exactly are and when they're taking place. Uh, other than that, that's all the events and updates we have for today. So now we'll just dive into the speaker, which for today is going to be our first uh, guest from the 2022 class, Rachel Feinberg. So with that, I will now hand it off to that portion of the show. And now moving on to the guest portion of today's show, I am joined for the first time by a member of the class of 2022, Rachel Feinberg. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm great. How are you, Fudge? Thanks for I'm having me. I am doing fantastic, and yes, it's we've been really looking forward to having someone from your class on the show, so uh, you're going to have to set the bar pretty high for the rest of them that come along in the future weeks here. Okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get to learn more about you, we want to sort of break the ice with some of these sort of intro segments that we have, and so you picked out for us the Florida Man birthday, uh, yes. and so just as a reminder, how that's going to work is you're going to tell us your birthday, and we're going to look that up with the word Florida man and just see what sort of just crap comes up <laughs> that <laughs> Florida men have apparently been doing on your birthday through all, all these years. I love this idea. So my birthday is February 10th. February Let's do 10th. it. Florida right. man. 
Oh, should I say it or should you? Uh, you can take the first one because my, my Chrome's being all finicky, so you go. All right. I think this is a pretty great one. Florida man arrested on February 10th for throwing alligator through drive through window. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That is so Florida. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> um, no, no, I, just saw, I just saw that one. Yeah, pretty much every entry is about this so-called alligator thrower. Let's see. Florida man has testicle bitten by alligator. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I'm seeing a trend here with your birthday <laughs> and just alligators. <laughs> February must be alligator season. Oh, man. Uh, oh, here's one. A Florida man, this is February 10th, 2020, so this year. Oh, wow. is accused of threatening to assassinate President Trump. Yeah. Well, that one's not surprising, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, Florida man. I think this is also February 10th. Man. And this is also, I guess, politically related, is that a man charged with driving into a GOP voter sign-up tent. Wow. We're, I'm, I'm sensing some themes. Yeah, so you got alligators and you got politics. Yeah. Um, oh, here's one more. February 10th, 2020. Florida man accused of shoplifting while holding a puppy. Oh, I see that one too. That's kind of cute. Maybe uh, it was an emotional support animal. <laughs> was he stealing the puppy or was he? He, he wasn't <laughs> stealing the puppy. I think he was holding a puppy and shoplifting. So the puppy was probably helping calm him down so he could be <laughs> good shoplift. <laughs> the puppy probably was what sold him out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. And I think I got one more. This one's not in the 10th, but I feel like I just have to say it because it's just so strange. Uh, Florida man denies sucking hospital patients' toes. Oh, God. I'm glad it went the way you said it. I was worried for a minute. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. I'm honored by it. all of this activity on my birthday. Yes. So lo lovely, lovely segue into, I'm sure, our conversation is going to be heavily uh, politically focused as well as getting into alligators. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So now that we got those pleasantries out of the way, uh, let's now kind of pivot a little bit and come back to you since this shows more about learning about you than about your birthday specifically. But uh, why don't you try to like walk me through uh, what you were doing before considering going to coming to graduate school? Yeah, so I've actually um, been out in LA for almost 10 years now, like on the dot. I came, I graduated from Columbia University in 2010. Okay. and came out to LA pretty much immediately. So starting the fall of 2010, and now it's the fall of 2020, and I'm starting a new school. So, so kind of crazy. you were out in New York then for yes. your undergrad. Okay. For my undergrad, yeah. So I, I'm originally from the Chicago area, went to New York for undergrad, um, graduated 2010, came out here to LA, and I've been working in the entertainment industry essentially for the past decade. Wow, that's oh. amazing. I mean, Columbia, was that just like you wanted to get out of New York as soon as you graduated? Or is that more just from like job prospects, I guess? Yeah, I actually, I loved New York. I, I would go back. Um, I'm at pretty like uh, open on location actually for the future. Um, so I really liked New York. It was more job focused. I 
sort of had my heart set on coming out to work at CAA, which is Creative Artists Agency, for, okay. for those who aren't familiar in, in LA. Um, it's like one of the biggest talent agencies. And um, I knew at the time that um, I hadn't studied film. I hadn't studied entertainment at all. I actually double majored in anthropology and Spanish. So very liberal arts. And, and it was a passion of mine at the time, but I, I realized I didn't want to do that as a career path. So I, I refocused into the entertainment industry and I can go more into that, into that decision-making process if you want. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's basically what brought me out to LA. So I, I gotta say, I kind of had some similar, I guess, uh, moments of clarity when I realized my major really didn't align, align perfectly with where I wanted to go. But uh, how, how far were you into anthropology and <laughs> when you realize that way. you want, yeah, like, that's <laughs> like a, that's not, that's not like a really big swing to go into entertainment from anthropology. Yes. I was knee deep working at an archeological excavation in Ecuador. That's how far I was. <laughs> um, but, but no, it's not a regret. I actually, I loved studying anthropology, especially at Columbia, which, um, was where like, American anthropology, quote unquote, was first established. And they have a great affiliation with the Natural History Museum, amazing professors. So it was something I, I really loved like reading about and learning about. And I traveled a lot as a kid. So it was just like a natural progression to study, you know, people and yeah. different societies and cultures. Um, but uh, yeah, I think more towards my junior, senior year of undergrad, I just realized I never thought I would necessarily, you know, be an anthropologist or, or be a professor as a career move. I, I just hadn't thought about career yet. I was just kind of late in the game to thinking about the actuality of like getting a job after the part undergrad. About making money. <laughs> the part about making money. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was just like a starry eyed college student. Um, I thought you were so, going to be Indiana Jones, you know, going on uh, crusades and. That was the dream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, when I started to think about like, you know, what can I uh, actually do? Like what career excites me? That's when I started considering entertainment for the first time. And I, I think I didn't even think of it before because no one uh, where I lived growing up was involved in entertainment. Um, and this is the northern suburbs of Chicago. It's not a big thing out there. You know, I, I didn't know of anyone who was like a movie producer or even a writer or anything like that. So yeah. I, I didn't consider it as a possibility until I, I learned more about it when I was at Columbia. And so by getting into the entertainment industry, were you going for more of the creative side or more of the, I guess, production, you know, numbers games? At first I wasn't sure, which is why I targeted CAA as the place to start because from mm -hmm. everything I'd heard, it's a place, and, and it was, it, it's a place that gives you this incredible bird's eye view of the industry and so you get insight into like all the potential pathways you see how deals get made uh mm -hmm. you, you you talk to creative people you you talk to finance people you you learn a lot about just like the major players and how everything works yep. and so i figured just by doing that i could then decide from there where i wanted to go if it was like creative development or, or working at a studio or gotcha. staying and being an agent yeah mm -hmm. Uh, well, that's actually pretty interesting. You start, so you start at CAA. Yes. Um, how, how was it like coming from a background where you had nothing entertainment related on your resume, uh, getting through the door there? 
it, it was tough. Um, so I had to work pretty hard at, at establishing some sort of connection to CAA because that's sort of what you need. I mean, you can have a great, uh, you know, education, college degree, whatever, be, be a smart person. And it's still really hard to, to get in the door there unless, honestly, unless you kind of know someone and that's just how it was. Um, networking, as you know, is like such a big deal in Hollywood. So yeah. um, I, I spent some time like my last year of undergrad trying to figure out like any sort of connection I, I could make to yeah. CAA. Uh, and eventually I did. And I ended up uh, talking on the phone with an agent there um, and getting to know him a, a little bit over the year. And then, you know, he was able to put a, a good word in for me to the HR department. And I had a temporary job when I graduated in Chicago, um, actually working as a production assistant for a political advertising agency. We were basically making campaign ads okay. leading up to the pr primaries that fall. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was just sort of like a short term thing. And I was in the meantime, like doing everything I could to get to <laughs> CAA. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, eventually it, it worked out. And it was kind of crazy. I, I got a call one night from a different agent who was just like, hey, I, I got your name um, from Chris, who was the other agent. And he said, I'm looking for an assistant. Like, let's talk. And I was like, okay. So we had this like 20 minute conversation. And then he's just like, you sound great. When can you come out here? And I was like, uh, anytime you need me. He's like, well, tonight would be ideal, but how about tomorrow? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and long story short, I basically flew out there the next morning and didn't come back. I just uh, went for it. You were packed that quick, huh? <laughs> I was packed that quick. I was like, this is my one opportunity and I'm not going to miss it. Wow. Um, wow, geez. So that's kind of, I guess you wouldn't, you didn't really start in the mailroom, but it's more or less, is that sort of like the Yeah, I was, I was lucky. I was able to start as an assistant. So I was on the desk of an agent in the MP Lit department which is motion pictures literary. Uh, so we represented writers and directors of film. Gotcha. And yeah, just I was on the desk for about a year and then went on to my next thing. Well, I guess this just goes to show for everyone on BEA is listening and that the networking is truly the difference maker when it comes to uh, finding a role at CAA, especially when you mentioned that uh, like education doesn't really matter if you can't really like make that connection to get through the door. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was coming out there with like an Ivy League degree, but that that didn't get me in. It was really the connection I was able to make. So, yeah, I'm going to get back on that horse pretty soon too myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and honestly, I think I've gotten maybe every job through networking, including the job I went to next after CAA was because I had um, had drinks with a girl who I met at CAA and she worked at a management company that represented um, one of the directors that we represented on the agency side. And she found out about this role at Illumination Entertainment and she told me about it and said she thought I would be a good fit there. So it, like if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have known about that role so soon. And, and she was the one who sent my resume over. So you, you went over to Illumination after CAA and that was yes. probably like, we said two years, that's like 2012? -ish? Yeah, yep. Like the end of 2011, early 2012. Yep. That's like that's like minion heyday right there. Oh, yes. I arrived. We were finishing up with the Lorax, and we were just starting Despicable Me 2 and The Minions and Secret Life of Pets. I mean, these movies, for, for those who don't know, take a really long time to make. 
um, an animated feature like this takes about three to five years. So yeah. you're always at a different stage uh, in the process and, and you're planning out like 10 years into the future of what your slate will be. It's, it's crazy how much effort goes into like the animated features. I've been watching a couple like documentaries in my quarantine time just to really like learn more about the process. It's intense. Yeah. Yeah. And expensive. <laughs> very, very. Uh, Except Illuminations model was very unique, which is one of the reasons I kind of fell in love with it is they did things a little bit differently from the traditional Disney or Pixar at the time, that? which was pretty cool. Um, well, for one, I ended up working a lot with the storyboard artists and okay. the storyboard artists were hired completely on a freelance basis, as opposed to say Disney, which hires everyone on for the duration of the project. It, yep. It's all considered overhead for them. So it's like a continuous hire. And that's, that's one, just an example of one way where you can save money. Um, it requires some skill in terms of uh, managing the relationship with the different storyboard artists and, you know, making sure you, you have the right people and you have the right people coming back. But in the end, it's, it's a really effective way. And I think uh, important to take note of during COVID era where there's more and more people working freelance and not being able to come into the office. So I guess the way that Illumination does it, uh, they only hire them for the storyboarding phase, not for like the whole five years of the project, I guess. But if they need yeah. them back in, they would hire them for that brief period of time again? Well, yeah, and, and even um, more so than that, they will just hire them for a week of work or for a sequence that they want them to board. It won't be for the, the entirety of the film. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, that's, that's good. I feel like I would kind of be more, I'd rather have this more stable work, but... <laughs> And yeah, again, I'm on the it's interesting. Side, so, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think it, it depends on the artist because a lot of artists are, are doing their own jobs. They, ha they have their own work or um, they may have a more like stable job on the side. For example, True. we worked with an artist who was like full-time board artist on Family Guy, but then he was able to get this additional work with Illumination. So. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you were there for how many years after that? I was there for like two and a half years, I was the uh, assistant to Chris Melodondri, who's the founder and CEO of the company, okay. um, which was an amazing opportunity to just like get to know him. Um, we have a really great relationship to this day, uh, like shadow him, um, really understand like everything from a high level. So that was like very influential and like fundamental, I think, for my career. Uh, and then after that, I actually ended up going over to FX because I was eager to get some experience in TV. Okay. Uh, and so was that, was there any sort of particular like area of TV you wanted to work in that FX kind of screamed out to you? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, one of the main reasons I chose FX was because of their high quality content. They have mm -hmm. just some amazing shows and I was working in current series which is basically the department as opposed to development where you're identifying new talent and new shows yep. for possible green light. Current series is like you're maintaining the show from season to season. So you're working with staffing the show with you know, writers and directors and you're, and you're working really closely with the showrunners and making sure that they're happy and that they have everything they need and everything is you know under budget and things like that. Under budget. Yeah. Okay. Under budget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on time and under budget. That's definitely been like a motto throughout my last, you know, however many years of working. <laughs> it's always the key. 
Uh, so at that, were you just working on like all the shows or were you just sort of like uh, attached to one specific show to like follow? Yeah, good question. I, I covered a number of shows. So I think there were maybe about like 15 shows um, and mm. I would cover like six of them. So um, for example, my favorite that I worked on, and I think it's like one of the more underrated, ama- amazing shows is The Americans. If okay. you remember that, it's, yep. it's not out anymore, but the like Soviet spy drama, it's yeah, so yeah. good. I don't yeah. think I quite finished that, but I think it's, it's definitely high on a lot of people's lists too. <laughs> yeah. I also worked on Archer, so I got to continue with my animation. animation. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm partial to Always Sunny, so. <laughs> yes, I love Always Sunny. And they shot right on the lot. Their set is on the Fox lot, so that was Oh, cool. really? Mm-hmm. I only not, know Not that, in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, well, like, I know that the bar is, like, in somewhere in East L.A. It's, like, a warehouse or something that they use for Yeah, yeah shots. I think they use that, yeah, for exteriors. Um, mm-hmm. The interior of the bar is on the lot. Yeah, so even though there is a Patty's Pub in Philadelphia, uh, it's not the yeah. same one. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I can I can kind of speed it up just to go through because I've had a number of different jobs. So. Oh, oh, how many how many more how many more roles do we have to go through? <laughs> how long were you at How long were you at FX for then? I was at FX for about two years. Oh man, okay. and yeah, and then, and then uh, actually, my old boss Chris Melodondri from Illumination basically yeah. convinced me to come back to Illumination. So I, so I went back there. Uh, at that time, I had uh, figured out that I wanted to learn more about production um, and, you know, basically become a producer. Okay. So uh, I got this opportunity to go back, and that was when I worked more in depth with the, st- with the storyboard artists, managing them, and working on the production side of Illumination. Um, and and then just to, to move forward, after about a year there, I went oh, on geez. to Tongle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was my last major role, Tongle. Okay. So I, I think that it's worth just touching on that, and, the, and then we're good. <laughs> okay. So what was Tongle? Yeah. So Tongle is a, is a really cool company. It's basically a tech platform. It's a startup, okay. and it connects uh, freelance creators from all over the world. You can be a writer or a filmmaker or um, an animator, and it, it connects the, these people with, you know, really big opportunities for creating content um, that that large brands need. So like Tongle will partner with, for example, National Geographic, which was one of my clients when I was there. And National Geographic will want like, uh, you know, cool, like, documentary series profiling some of their explorers for YouTube. And then we will find the filmmakers to produce that with and sort of produce in tandem with them. And, and it's open for anyone to pitch. And, and, and yeah. the way we find these producers is, you know, they're, they're pitching on through our platform, we're evaluating them, and then, you know, we end up working with them. So you're playing like matchmaker, but for sort of curated content that managing company that you're working with wants to get put together. Yeah, the real philosophy there is just, you know, we believe that creativity is everywhere. And um, now we have the means and we can certainly see that more during COVID, like to tap into that and use technology to to make it all happen. You know, it doesn't have to be the same, like five directors in LA who are getting every single job. Yeah. So do you think that opened more doors to, I guess, content creators or creatives that were located outside the LA area too? Oh, absolutely. I I worked mostly with people actually either 
like somewhere else in the United States or internationally. The biggest project that I executive produced while I was at Tongle was an animated series for YouTube for Mattel, specifically for Fisher Price called Rescue Heroes. And I greenlit a Bulgarian animation studio to do this called Chase a Cloud. They're incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I, I met them a couple times because I had worked with them before and they had come through LA, but yeah. the whole production was based in Bulgaria for that. So were you out in Bulgaria for the actual production side of that or are you just sort of like kind of hands-off executive producer? Uh, neither. I was in LA, <laughs> but I was very much hands-on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Which means very I, weird hours. Yes, yes. Um, it, it's actually a nice, like, kind of continuous cycle of work, which I also experienced when I was at Illumination, because Illumination's animation studio is actually in Paris. So huh. it's almost like you do morning sessions, and then, you know, we go about our day taking care of what we need to do, go to sleep, and then during the night, it's like the studio then is churning away. Yeah. And then you get back together in the morning. So it kind of works out. So you only overlap in those like early morning hours. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it gets to be later. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we try to keep it to the morning. I imagine once you're like coming, coming down deadlines that all that goes out the window, but. <laughs> A bit, yes. yes. <laughs> the, the nature of production. <laughs> yeah. And so that was sort of the last big role you had. Yes. At that point. So at this point you had been uh, sort of bouncing around between the production side, the creative side. Uh, now you did executive production. So what, what made you want to come back to school to pursue a graduate degree? Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? I, yeah. I had done a lot of different things within entertainment and gotten exposure to all these, you know, different sides of the business. And I, I realized that, you know, I love production, but I wanted to move more away from like the pure creative production development side. And I, I love the like bigger picture thinking involved in the decisions that are made behind what you green light or, or what you acquire as a studio. And so I've, I've always been very attracted to that side of things. So, so my goal, yeah, is to uh, get an MBA and be able to, to pivot into more of like a strategy or content acquisitions or a biz dev role. Um, okay. And yeah. That's so you, you want to be part so that that like 10 year roadmap that you're talking about, you want to be one of the people that's making that strategy and building all that. Yeah. Out. And I, and I think what's cool is like, I, you know, I believe that the future of entertainment really rests at like that fusion of creative and like business understanding. So, and so having the creative and production background that I have, I really hope that I can leverage that like on the business side so I can kind of bring the two together because I, you know, I don't think that too many people, at least not too many people that, that I've met in my experience can sort of think both ways. And um, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So although you'll have to be limited by budgets and financial availability, uh, there are some things that I guess from your experience, you probably think you can't really go cheap on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you rephrase? Uh, maybe I'm not sure what the question like, is. Oh, I mean, if you're being like hammered with like budgets and restrictions and stuff from a creative aspect, you know what you can budge on it versus what you can't. Right. I mean, there's always for sure a give and take between the budget and then what you want to do creatively, especially in animation. There's sort of like three things. You have the quality, uh, the speed and the cost, and you can't have all three. 
So like you can get something done really yeah. fast, but it's going to cost more yeah. or you can have something super high quality, but that needs more time. So it, it's, it's always like a bouncing back and forth between that and trying to find the most efficient way. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I feel like that's an accurate one for a lot of things too. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. That, that goes beyond animation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so then you ended up picking USC, I'm guessing, cause mainly you wanted to stay local. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I was really excited about the Trojan network as well, but um, staying in LA makes a ton of sense for me. Um, I, most of the, well, a lot of the opportunity is in LA. I'm hoping that in the future, maybe I'll get to go somewhere beyond LA because I don't feel, you know, entirely connected to this city. So I'd love to, it's it's grown on me a lot. At first it was hard. I I really hated it at first, I have to admit, but uh, I like it a lot more now. So I have no problem staying here for a while. But I'd also, I, you know, I enjoy mixing things up. I mean, I personally can't wait to get back out there. But at the same time, I need to get a car the next time I'm back out there. Or oh, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, so. The only thing I was doing was taking Ubers and riding my electric scooter. So that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get you a car. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I need a job first. Uh, uh, anyway, so <laughs> I guess that's kind of going into more of the Marshall-specific questions. So. Uh, just want to make sure, was there anything else you want to talk about, about like pre-Marshall before we get into that half of the show there? No, that's great. I'm, okay. Yeah. So, so nice, nice long career of coming from Columbia and bouncing around between what sound like amazing, uh, jobs out in LA so far. So, uh, I'm sure this was the right move for you to come to get your MBA because I, I think with those connections, you'll really do well on the strategy side, but before we get into more of the Marshall stuff, let's do the second thing or the second, I guess, side thing that you picked today, which was, will you press the button? Yes. So let me just go to that site real quick. This one's the easiest cause it just comes up for me. And so I'm going to give you, we'll say like four scenarios for you to choose from. Uh, you can either click the button or don't click the button. Uh, I will probably skip a few though. Cause some of these are actually terrible. So I'll have to read, th- <laughs> I'll have to read through them first. Okay. <laughs> nope. Come on. Now I want to know which ones you're passing on. Uh, the, the, let's just say it's like a crowdsource thing. So there's a lot of like, you can tell an eight-year-old wrote it. That'll be like the Marshall after dark, after dark. We'll have to <laughs> come back to that. Like, like this one's terrible. Like, uh, so you are able to travel back in time, but you would be a snail there. Hmm. I'm going to say no then. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can travel back in time, but I guess you just travel, when you travel back in time, you're a snail. You become a snail. So what's the point? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it's also just a terrible question in my opinion. Yeah, (laughs) no, I I see what you're saying now. Let's see. (laughs) You can turn invisible at will. Mm-hmm. but your invisibility, like the time you remain invisible is unpredictable. So like you can go invisible and it, you'll come back in like three seconds or you be staying invisible for like five years. Well, I don't really see the downside because you can, can, can you choose when you become invisible? So you, that can would cho- be the... you can choose when you become invisible. I, I the way it's phrasing it, it says, it makes me think yeah. that you don't get to choose when you become visible. 
okay, I'll, yeah, I would do the invisibility because if it, if it bothers me so much, then I just won't use it. But at least I have the option to, and I could always just do it for fun. That's true. Yeah, as long as the option doesn't mean you have to do it ever. Yep. That's a good way of rationalizing. I like that. So that only forty <laughs> only forty percent of people had that same thought though. So only forty percent mm. of people hit that button too. Good um, to know. That's a that's a terrible one. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay. okay tell us you're laughing so i need to hear it <laughs> you can you can eat your favorite foods for the rest of your entire life without any worries about gaining weight uh-huh. but you have horrible painful diarrhea three times a day <laughs> <laughs> definitely not <laughs> like, oh. yeah i'm uh, gonna avoid the diarrhea thank you <laughs> okay uh you're you're on the downside of that one so 76 percent of people said screw it i'd rather have the diarrhea and be able to and eat have all my miserable foods. diarrhea three times a day. They are crazy. <laughs> mm. Which one would you pick? I'm kind of torn on it personally. I think I might just push the button <laughs> <laughs> and just deal with it. You know, I mean, so as long which, as you, which as favorite long as you, food? Which favorite food is convincing you to push the button? What are, what would you be eating? Oh, I mean, it said favorite food, so I'm assuming it's like all my favorite foods ever. All of uh, them. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. But right now, it's like I'd be eating like uh, chicken sandwiches or lasagna or chicken parm. So mm, that's that, good. That would probably Italian. make Italian. Yeah, that would. Yeah, my mom's side is like all Italian, so that's like all I grew up on was pasta and raviolis and all that fun stuff. Yum. The world as we know it ceases to exist, but you look and act like a human in the new world. What? I told you, some of these are terrible. <laughs> it's very conceptual. <laughs> nope. Uh, All right, find me one more good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. And by good, I mean. Eh. Yeah, no, um, yeah, right now. Mmm. You get the home of your dreams, like for free. So giant mansion, island on the beach, whatever. Nobody else can live there or come in except for you. Oh, so I mean, right of- now it would make a, a lot of sense because no one, I live alone and no one comes in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to go with, yeah, I'll take it. The Fortress of Solitude, you'll take the Fortress of Solitude. I mean, I will you, take the Fortress of Solitude. Push the button. You could always have another house too if you wanted to pay for one. So, yeah, that's just that's I'm just in. the that's just your uh, the Rachel's getaway. Yes, so, all for it. Yes. Give it to me. Sixty <laughs> percent were with you on that one too. Great. <laughs> okay, I think that was enough for that one. Yeah, that was interesting. I, I told you this. There's some. There's some gems in there, but. There's also a lot of duds I got to kind of sift through there. <laughs> yeah. P- pull out the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now getting back to more of your Marshall specific questions. So now we're going to focus on uh, your very brief, but still uh, valid experience at Marshall so far since it's been, uh, you guys just finished term one, I believe. So yep. I think the first one you already kind of answered, but I guess you can elaborate a little bit about uh, what made USC Marshall stand out to you when compared to the other top business schools around. Yeah, I think, yeah, going back to to what I said before, it was really location and the network, the Trojan network, super excited to be part of it. 
Um, networking has been a, a big part of my career so far. So I understand the value in it. And um, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited. And uh, I, entertainment industry is based in LA. There, there's other centers for it, but not anything like LA. So yeah, this makes the most sense for me. <laughs> so were you looking at any other like UCLA or NYU, other like top entertainment schools that have good MBA programs? Yeah, I was, I was actually also thinking about uh, Kellogg just because of Chicago. So sure. where my family is. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really looking at it as more of like location oriented. Um, and then the other factor for me was that I applied really late. So I, <laughs> I don't think I'm, I didn't make the decision and apply until May. So it was very, very that late is on, in the game. That is late in the game, yes. <laughs> yeah, which, which kind of like limited my options basically. <laughs> to be honest, there's been people who have applied later and still ended up here too. Uh, wow. which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think someone I had on the show, Kyle Scott, he's on another episode. I'm pretty uh -huh. sure he didn't apply until like June and then wow, yeah. had yeah. like almost like a month turnaround before he had to like move from, uh, was he in New York? And I think he moved from New York too. Yeah. Uh, but pretty it's crazy. crazy how much like things can change just in a matter of, of months. It's been, a, it's been a, this, this year feels like it's been uh, like five years. It's so. been a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, it's, it's weird to think that at the beginning of the year, I just, I wouldn't have imagined where I am right now, but that's kind of the, the fun of life, isn't it? You, yeah. you never know. Was school even sort of like a consideration in the back of your head at that point, or was this more of like a recent COVID fueled <laughs> decision? It was a bit COVID fueled though. I, I had thought of business school in the past. My brother actually graduated from Booth from University of Chicago a mm -hmm. few years ago. So, um, and my dad was always like really pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like throughout my career, it wasn't something that I seemed, that, that seemed like it was um, important for me to get to where I wanted to go. Yeah. So while I wanted to be a producer and, and do that kind of thing, it just like, you didn't need to get an MBA. It was better to like stay in the game, keep with the networking, you know, get the next gig. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to add a ton of value to like where I wanted to go at the time. So it wasn't gotcha. until I reflected this past year on, you know, like, what do I, what do I want to do next? And then had to consider like, okay, will business school help me get there? And then the answer was yes. That's a, it's a great, great way of sort of like coming around it, even though you didn't think it was going to hold much merit at first, but now that you're trying to get, yeah, on that strategy side, definitely, uh, definitely from the classes you've already taken, you can probably see where that comes in handy. <laughs> yeah. I, so to your question about how this term has been so far and, you know, mm -hmm. this, we're very short timers. It's been like three weeks, almost four weeks. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed the strategy class. The, that is part of the core in term one. That was by far my favorite class and um i'm really eager to like learn more about it because it was pretty brief but uh yes, that, was, that was a fun one for me yeah brief yeah. but jam-packed with content <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> yeah well that once you get to actually pick your own classes you'll definitely uh, have a lot of like strategy and operations classes that are probably going to be high on your list there um, definitely kind of going off a of term one though uh, what are you looking forward to the most now that you're finally past that uh, wonderful time of the year? Yes, I. Besides sleep. I'm looking forward. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, sleep. 
um, definitely sleep, um, getting more of a routine. Everything was just like crazy the last few weeks. So mm-hmm. um, getting outside. But in terms of Marshall, I, I think getting more involved in the clubs. I'm really excited about BEA, the Business of Entertainment Association. I'm, I'm, you know, hoping to get a leadership role within that club. I'm really excited about it. And the people have been really cool so far. So um, that one, I'm also really excited about the graduate women in business. Um, Priya, the president is amazing. And um, I've had some one-on-one time with her and she's awesome. So yeah, I guess I would say um, I want to try to, you know, in in the the little bit of extra time I have, spend more of that getting to know the people and, and participating in the club events and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's really like the best way to use your time because it also goes, it's like networking pretty much just in a different context. So For sure. You'll get to meet all these people that are also trying to get into the entertainment industry and all these different functions. And so, uh, even though yeah. you have more experience than probably all of us combined. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope I can, you know, use my experience and network to, to help anyone who, who, you know, needs a connection or like has questions about somewhere that I worked. Like I'm really happy to talk about any of it. Um, and there's a ton that I don't know. For example, term two, all of these subjects I've not really been exposed to before with accounting and corporate finance and data science. So these are all areas that I'm going to need a lot of help in myself. And, yeah. and that's why I'm here. You know, I, I, I'm excited to become more familiar with, you know, like interpreting the numbers and, and financial statements and doing all of that. You're telling me anthropology didn't have any courses covering that? <laughs> <laughs> no, they did not. uh and then the last question we got here for you today is uh so even though it's only been three weeks and it's been a kind of hectic three weeks but have you found that you've like found any winning strategies when it comes to pursuing an mba education uh in a virtual environment i think being proactive um it's it's hard and i've i found this just during, you know, before MBA in the virtual environment Mm -hmm. that it's, you sort of just like have to reach out to people or if you want to get to know them better or like for yourself, like schedule time, you know, with yourself to do something that you've been wanting to do because it's easy to just kind of get like sit back and, and, you know, be like succumb to the, (laughs) to the virtual nature of just like being at your house and like, it, it can be, it can feel kind of isolating and it, it can feel kind of draining. So I think um, being pr- as proactive as possible and not like waiting for things to come to you um, and just like making it happen if it's something that, that you're interested in. That's probably the, the, what, what I have to keep telling myself. <laughs> yeah. So like be the one to initiate the conversation. Don't try to just assume that people will find you on their own. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's like a good one for networking too. Which, yes. Which it, <laughs> it, 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 it drives me nuts because I kind of hate being the one who just like cold calls and reaches out like that. But, you know, it's it's expected at this point. So. Right. Right. And, you know, there's something that like I've definitely learned the last few years is that it's OK to show your personality a bit like when you're in these networking conversations or just when you're meeting people for the first time. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it's easy to fall back on being like super professional and super like cookie cutter and like, doing the right thing and saying the right thing. But I, I think it's actually really beneficial to let your personality shine through a little bit. And, and it takes the, 
the burden off sometimes of making those cold calls because yeah. like allowing yourself to just like be a human and be who you are. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'll say I'm probably not good at being the professional one. So I think I have <laughs> it easier when it comes to letting my personality show because I don't really hold back too much to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, it, like you're very at ease, which is like, which is great. I think it's easy for people to talk to you. So yeah. good job on that. Oh, thank you so much. That is, I'm going to write that down on my, my good comments. <laughs> <laughs> write that down here on the agenda so I can remember that for next time. Um, that's, all, that's all the questions that I have for you today. Uh, so I know you have a hard deadline, so I want to wrap this up soon rather than drag it out a little bit. But I uh, uh, want to thank you for your time on the show tonight. And before we let you go, though, there are two things that we need to do in terms of housekeeping. One is giving you uh, your 30, the 30 second to a minute spotlight to thank you for being on the show. So uh, you can use the time to talk about anything you want, promote whatever you want, but uh, time's all you and uh, let people know. Yeah. Um, wow. I did not prepare for this. Um, I think, I guess one thing I, I, I can say, first of all, is thank you for having me. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Um, and, you know, I hope anyone listening, if, if you know, found some uh, advice from it, or if you want to talk further, just reach out to me and I'd be happy to. Um, and then the other thing is I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently, which is why I was so excited to do your podcast. Um, I'm a huge <laughs> podcast fan. Yes. And uh, w one of my favorite podcasts is called My Favorite Murder. I don't know if you've heard of it, Fed. Oh God, no, I have not. But I can kind of tell where it's going. <laughs> it, it's a tr it's a true crime podcast, but it's also a, a, a true crime comedy podcast. So it's a little bizarre, but it's it's really great. And um, there's two female comedian hosts, and they talk a lot about um, how important it is, like now, to just like you know pay attention to your mental health and make sure you're doing self care. And make sure you're not taking things too seriously, even if it's murder. Mm -hmm. um, so, and they talk a lot about like normalizing, you know, going to therapy and and taking prescriptions um, for mental health. And I just think that podcast is awesome. So yeah. I just throw out that podcast rec and uh, yeah, I just want to say something about that. Yeah, that, that went a lot better than I thought you were going to go with it. I thought it was just going to be like a, a favorite murders podcast where people just like talk about like crazy uh, murders that people try to get away with. <laughs> but well, the it's positive a little bit of that too. Yeah, but the positive messaging <laughs> that they're spitting on on the other side is good to hear as well. Because yes, <laughs> yeah, it's um, a it's a very unique podcast for sure. I'll definitely I'll have to check that out. What was it called again? My favorite murder. My favorite murder. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, as the last part of the show, uh, you get to play us out for our song of the night tonight. So, do you have have you prepared that part yet? <laughs> yes, I did. I did think about this. Uh huh. And I listened to it right beforehand to pump myself up. It's your pump up uh, song. So currently I'm super into Lizzo and I was listening to her song Juice, even though she has so many amazing songs, but Lizzo Juice would be my pick. Okay, easy, easy enough. And so uh, with that, that's all the time we've had for today. I've been your host, Fedge McDermott. Once again, thank you for joining us, Rachel. It was great to hear uh, just everything about your story and uh, where you want to go in terms of uh, kind of leaving the entertainment world, but soon to be returning, hopefully in a much different role with much different responsibilities here. Uh, but to play us out for tonight, we'll be going with your song, Juice by Lizzo. So thanks everyone, have a great one.
Way more than 